legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's been a big couple of weeks over here. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you left, we found an apartment. And we moved in, and this is the first full week, and I'm recording in a guest room, kind of, and I feel like I'm echoing like crazy. You don't sound like it to me, so fingers crossed. (laughs) Also, you want to know something funny about this room? Yes. All of my plants are in here right now because I'm sorting them out into which part of the house they're going to go in and... I'm cleaning them up and chopping some up. And the ones that I've chopped up have made a smell. And it smells like pickles in here. It (laughs) smells like pickles. Yes. (laughs) That is random. I have a candle lit by me because I don't want to smell pickles right now. Are you? What are you doing to them? Are you putting vinegar in them or something? No, it's just each uh, plant, when you cut it or something, it makes a different smell. And for some reason, the mixture is just making it sound like, smell like pickles. It sounds like a pickle? Yeah, they they really sound like pickles, too. (laughs) That's ASMR. (laughs) Yeah. Also, just in case, there, it is 924 at night, but there are children playing outside in the parking lot like madmen so if you hear <laughs> screaming or something strange i apologize i have no control over children last week or this previous week was my daughter's birthday guys i have a 6 year old and it's weird she's my youngest and she's 6 she's not i mean she's still really young but it doesn't seem that young Five would have seemed not that young if she was able to go to kindergarten. I know, but she got to stay a baby like a little bit longer. Which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. It really is. I I don't know. I mean, if anybody's listening, write me in and tell me, do your schools have an age cut off? So both of my kids' birthdays fall right after the age cut off for school so now both my kids are like older kid in their class yeah they're like the oldest kids in their class jamie's i understand because it's a september day you know most not most schools but some schools actually already start in august so i understand his val is literally in the middle of summer vacation it's the month after the cutoff yeah stupid yeah i yeah my dad seriously every time it gets brought up he like loses his mind about it and i'm like <laughs> you're more angry about this than i am well, but it is very dumb at least in colorado i guess because wasn't missouri's cut off sometime in august or the beginning of august maybe yeah i, I think know. theirs was august yeah but here it's june and not like the end of june it's like june 1st kids aren't even out of school until the 
like mid to end June here. Oh, yeah. See, our kids are out of school at the end of May and they start school like at the end of August, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the way it was in Missouri. Okay. They don't That's start till September here, though. I think it's to optimize the six months of sun that we have. They get like, you know, at least three of them fully off. Yeah, they get to go play out in the sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. do this. Okay. Do you remember what we were going to talk about? I remember it was a person <laughs> and he had to do with the um, the springs, right? In Arkansas? Yeah. The yeah. Crescent Hotel. I couldn't remember what it was called, but I got it. (laughs) Well, that man's name is Norman Glenwood Baker. I should have remembered that because for some reason, when I hear that name, I think of Norman Bates. That's all (laughs) I've been thinking about. I should have remembered that. Well, you know, he did buy a hotel. He just didn't use it for a hotel. And I don't think he was creeping on people like that <laughs> and had a awesome mother uh yeah there isn't a whole lot of mommy issues on this one that gotcha. i know of that i oh, could okay. find <laughs> so anyway obviously remember the sadist- sadistic turd of a man that i mentioned in the crescent hotel episode obviously yeah girl mm-hmm. Most notably, a non-doctor claiming to have found the cure for cancer. But there is so much more to this guy. Norman was born November 27th, 1882 in Muscatine, Iowa. He was one of 10 kids to John and Francis Baker. Wow. (laughs) John owned his own business, Baker Manufacturing Company. And Frances was known to write before having a million kids. She was described as a poet. And she didn't even know it? Or she (laughs) did know it? She knew it, but then the kids sucked it out of her, I think. Damn. (laughs) I mean, 10 is quite a lot. lot How do you even remember their names? I. How do you have time to do anything outside (laughs) of being a parent? Well... Apparently you can't because she stopped writing. Sad. (laughs) In Norman's sophomore year, he decided school was for fools and dropped out. (laughs) He went to work at his father's business as a tramp machinist. A tramp machine? (laughs) I'm not sure what that is, but thanks to Abenaki.com, I found out that tramp is not an adorable scruffy terrier. That is not actually... what I was thinking when you said tramp. <laughs> I know. But that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but actually, it's unwanted hydrocarbon-based substance that contaminates machine coolant. So I guess he did something with that. <laughs> that sounds real technical. It does. That lasted a few years. Then he got bored. And started working as a traveling dye and tool maker. 
I did see one article that mentioned that he also might have worked for a circus for a little bit. He has a storied career. But that was only one article. But that might be how one night he saw a vaudeville performer. For those of you that don't know what vaudeville is, according to Google, it's a type of entertainment popular chiefly in the U.S. in early 20th century, featuring a mixture of specialty acts such as burlesque comedy and song and dance. And my brain stopped working. (laughs) Fortune tellers. I had a whole list and I didn't write it down. That would have made up some of my words. (laughs) Well, I'd never heard the term vaudeville before. I have, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Uh, They say that like Charlie Chaplin and Fred Astaire would be considered vaudeville um, Hmm. entertainers because they were multi-talented awesomeness i guess oh i have heard of that term before oh a yeah long time ago yeah unlocking some... mystery memories yeah hidden <laughs> memories there charlie chaplin brought it out <laughs> so the performer that norman had seen went by the name of professor flint a traveling mental suggestion magician He was enthralled by the showmanship and decided he could do that too. I bet he can. In 1904, Norman formed his own vaudeville troupe, centering around Madame Pearl Tangley, a mind reader. Do you think this is why they said that he was in the circus? No, the, the one article that I had seen that said that said, that he was in it before and that that is what led him to see Professor Okay, Gotcha. Um, But I don't know if I believe it because it was one source. (laughs) He cycled through a few different actresses for Madame Pearl Tangley and even married one of them. In the act, he also performed as an illusionist and hypnotist. They toured for about 10 years According to his biography that we'll mention later, the act was said to bring in about $300 a week, which is around $9,000 today. Pretty nice. Yeah. Despite its success, Norman and his wife came back to Muscatine to take a little break. They planned on going back to touring, but life ended up getting really interesting for Norman. He invented a new form of calliope. He called the calliophone. It had 43 brass whistles that are run on compressed air and can be heard for a fourth of a mile. It is okay. loud. What is a calliope? So a calliope, I actually had looked this up before this episode because in a book I was reading, one of the Buffy books, there was a calliope mentioned but it's a like a circus instrument like you know those organs that they play that make real creepy music sometimes yeah yeah that's what I was picturing but then you said phone and so I was like 
Yeah, I think he just added Caliophone to his, you know, copyrighted. Gotcha. That's not what you do. You don't copyright things. Patent? Like Patented. Yeah. <laughs> the first three that he made sold like hotcakes. So he decided to move on from the vaudeville life. In 1915, he divorced his wife and started a new business. Rude. Busy year. For his new business endeavor, he used the tangly name and he was manufacturing and selling his Caliophones. He started a correspondence art school and a mail order business <laughs> that was said to sell everything from overalls to coffee. So I didn't put this in here because every single article I read said it. And I was like, I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> well, here I go. <laughs> For the correspondence art school. Uh, do you know what that is? They learn how to write letters. No, it's an art school through mail. So you like you take a lesson you do whatever they tell you to, and then you send your artwork in to be evaluated, pretty much. Wow, it's like online school before online school. Yes, and it took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but every freaking article made a point to say that he made this art school even though he couldn't paint a lick. So, just so you know. Well, he's not one to be creaked critiquing someone's art then yeah but he also does a lot of things that he can't do yes he's a <laughs> pretender yes so he even used the company to sell pamphlets about madame tangley with instructions in mentalism hmm. it's actually a pretty cool little document I'll provide a link to the pamphlet that you can download and read. It's like each page was photocopied. So there's images too. And it's really cool to see. He also gave like a little mini biography about Madame Tingley. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really interesting. His business businesses flourished. At its top, it netted 200,000 a year, which would be around 5.8 million today. Holy mackerel. Mm -hmm. But was that enough for Norman? Of no. course not. No. In 1924, a man by the name of Henry Field built a radio station on top of his seed house and started broadcasting whatever he wanted. Mostly farming information and entertainment, but he also used it to sell his seeds. Not in a dirty way, like in a farming way. <laughs> How'd you know them? <laughs> I just know you. <laughs> his success took off and his company ended up selling just about everything the listeners could ever want. The station's call letters were KFNF. It stood for Keep Friendly, Never Frowned. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> Hearing of the success of Henry's radio, Norman was in love. He needed that kind of power in his life. So in 1925, he went to Muscatine Chamber of Commerce 
and made a pretty solid argument for why they should give him a radio license for free. And it worked. Good Lord, he's a good liar. (laughs) Yeah, he is. They licensed him for 5,000 watts, but secretly he usually ran it at 1,000 or 10,000 watts. How did he get away with that? You know, I have no idea. Hmm. God could you secretly. I don't hmm. know. I don't know how radios work, but me neither. <laughs> the 10,000 made his reach really, really far. Mm. His call letters were KTNT, which stood for Know the Naked Truth. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He used this station to declare war on anything and everything that he didn't like. Also, to sell, you know, his products for his business, of course. Couldn't pass that up. Mm-mm. More money. Yeah. Norman would broadcast in the evenings when farmers and laborers were home. He would spew anti-Semitic, anti-Catholic, anti anti Beautiful song. Yeah. Anti-intellectual garbage. He would talk of conspiracies like business rivals or newspapers trying to shut him down. Or the local parent-teacher organization was a front for communists. (laughs) Fluoridated water, aluminum cookware, and vaccines were all things he rallied against that are still, still topics of debate today. Yes, they are which is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) He went after big business, big government, and most of all, big medicine. Okay. In spring of 1931, he even incited a rebellion they now refer to as the Cow War in eastern Iowa. What? (laughs) He told farmers to resist mandatory bovine tuberculosis testing, telling them that the veterinarians were just going to falsify the tests so they could steal and sell the cattle themselves. This actually caused protesting that turned violent, running all the vets out of that area and forcing Governor Dan Turner to call in the state militia. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> you run out all the vets, then who's going to take care of your cattle? I don't know. Nobody, because they're not going to steal them and sell them for their own. No, they're just going to get sick and spread it around and die. It's great. Yeah. Listen to someone that totally doesn't knows even. Know, I was going to say, doesn't even probably know about a cow. Good Lord. Definitely not. With all the popularity of the station, Norman added a gift shop, restaurant, and a six-pump gas station with the lowest prices around. He also had set up boat excursions at a nearby lake. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with the radio, but more money for him. The station started having summer Sundays where people would travel from all over the U.S. just to bask in the carnival-like atmosphere on the front lawn of the station. Did you have anything special? Well, he had the restaurant and the gift shop, and then I'm sure he set up, like, 
random crap because he was a money hungry crazy person if nothing else he was definitely meant (laughs) to be a cpo they would mostly picnic there and just hang out while he did his shows all right yeah interesting Mm mm-hmm at its largest, there was an estimated 50,000 people at one time. What? Not that interesting, I assure you. He would rake in an average 3,000 a Sunday, equaling to around 51,000 today. Holy moly. <laughs> With the building power of the radio station, Norman used it to pick who he wanted to win the presidential election. Herbert Hoover. He gave so much support that when Hoover was elected, he invited Baker to a private meeting. And later, he assisted with the launch of Norman's new Midwest Free Press tabloid in 1930. In front of press, Hoover remotely pressed a button and started the production of the tabloid. (laughs) Okay. I don't think... Okay. (laughs) Moving on. In 1929, Norman officially went to war with the American Medical Association. He believed that organized medicine was corrupt and chasing profit over patients. Not gonna lie, but I might agree with him on at least that. (laughs) I was gonna say, I can't really disagree. I, I think it's definitely like a organization to organization thing but it overall the general feel is yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um that that's the only thing i agree with him on ever though (laughs) yeah he said the ama had the cure for cancer but refused to use it because they wanted to make money from radiation and other treatments i hate when people say that (laughs) i seriously hate it Which brings us to all the fun cancer stuff. Much like everything else Norman has done in his life, he saw a guy doing something and thought he could do it but make even more money. In the 1920s, there was a doctor named Charles Ozias working out of Kansas City, Missouri, that claimed to have cured cancer. Long story short, this actual MD injected patients that he had attracted with pamphlets full of glowing testimonials with a (laughs) miracle serum that did absolutely nothing. He ended up losing his license and his businesses in the 30s. Before that happened, though, he was kind enough to share his recipe with Norman. Norman took that recipe of watermelon seeds, clover, brown corn silk, and alcohol and added carbolic acid do you know anything about carbolic acid i actually think i talked about it in a previous episode i can't remember which one and i don't remember what it is (laughs) i'm glad both of our memories are terrible yeah i don't remember (laughs) because i don't remember you talking about it either that's funny well it's also known as phenol It's a poison that causes organ failure. Nazis were using it to euthanize inmates at concentration camps. Oh, good. Yeah, that's what we want to give our cancer patients. Yeah. 
So they're not even his patients because he's not an actual fucking doctor. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So after securing that formula, he decides to use his radio station to declare that he now has the cure for cancer. By December 1929, Norman opens the Baker Institute. It was a 100-bed hospital stocked with chiropractors, osteopaths, diploma mill doctors. <laughs> diploma mill hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> He's just chock full of those hospitals. Yeah. And the ad-lib doctors there. <laughs> The Institute claimed to cure everything, but its main Mm. focus was cancer. He picked five patients to cure so that he could parade them around and use their testimonials to get the business started. Unfortunately, all five died. (laughs) I I knew it was going to go that way. They were either (laughs) going to die or they were going to never have had cancer in the first place. I just wasn't sure which way it was going, and now I'm real bummed. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all five of them dying didn't stop him from writing about his success in his new tabloid. What success? (laughs) The made-up success. Oh, my God. The new tabloid was called TNT, or The Naked Truth. He continued to use his radio station to promote the Institute, He even would do open-air demonstrations. Open-air? Yeah, this is where he, on his summer Sundays, would come out with, like, people and demonstrate how his cancer is curing them. The most famous being a time that he supposedly cut open a guy's skull to show that the cancer had vanished. I say supposedly Mm -hmm. because the Journal of American Medical Association said, had an article that said that he did not cut the skull open. He just showed a like meteor part of the skull and people thought it was brains. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking how, how is cutting into somebody's head, um, productive and also your general run-of-the-mill uh people in this country are not doctors and could not identify a tumor from uh, brain matter well and then also on top of that if he cured it and there isn't any why are you cutting it open there's nothing to see (laughs) for a brain i don't know but that is what he did and it was said in multiple articles about him that he definitely for sure did that one. Norman would charge $10 for an exam and then tell the patient that they have the worst case ever of whatever ailment they might slightly have had. And then he would charge them $1,000 per treatment. Good God. <laughs> it sounds like he is um a hypochondriac but he's for other doctor. people <laughs> yeah like for other people <laughs> or like munchausen yeah just tell everyone that they're sick until they believe it and want to yeah. give him money well you're a 
doctor. Yeah, doctor. So if a doctor, <laughs> you guys can't see us, but we're air quoting like lots crazy, of air quotes. Um, is telling you that you're sick. Like, of course, you're gonna believe it, even though yeah. doctors weren't all that great. I don't think back then either, but. Still, someone who went to school for it should know a little more than, you know, the average Joe. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I didn't actually write it in here because I already said it, I'm pretty sure, or I just thought it really hard (laughs) in the last episode, but Norman Baker was not licensed to practice medicine. No, he was not a doctor. Not even a little. I'd honestly be surprised if he even like read a medical book. I would be too. Yeah. So in 1930 alone, he made 444 thousand dollars from cancer patients. That equals to 7.7 million today. And he probably killed half of them. He probably killed all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if carbolic acid is being Mm -hmm. shot into them. In 1930, the Journal of American Medical Association printed an article against Norman calling out his cancer-curing lies, viciousness, and quackery. Quackery. I like that <laughs> word. Quack is so like it's just synonymous with his name. I this is the only time I put it, but every article says it like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> Norman didn't take that lying down and fired back, saying that they are trying to shut down the truth and have even sent assassins after him. You're or- not that special, bro. <laughs> Fortunately, the assassin recognized him for curing a family member and dropped the contract. Good <laughs> God, does he lie about every single thing? Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> Norman also used the lies to establish an old time version of a GoFundMe for <laughs> legal fees to fight the good fight. Which he would need because he was getting sued by the state of Iowa for practicing medicine without a medical license. Good. As he should be. Yeah. Should be in prison. Yeah, he should. This was just an ongoing battle until 1931. The AMA pressured the Federal Radio Commission to shut down KTNT. He lost his license. Good. Norman was livid and immediately tried to sue them. He wanted to bring in former patients to testify for him, but they were either all dead or close to it by then. And also, it does not matter, even if he did cure them. I mean, great on you for curing them, but you did not have your license. That is black and white. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well... Instead, the AMA brought in former employees of the Baker Institute to testify against him, and it worked in their favor. The trial was turned around on him, 
and an arrest warrant was issued for him because of the whole not medically licensed thing. Good, 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 good. Norman Baker ran. (laughs) Oh, bad, but But, not unexpected. (laughs) The scared little baby had taken a huge beating to his reputation. His radio and institution was shut down and he didn't want to go to jail. So he booked it for Mexico in 1933. Get this, though. While in Mexico, he actually ran for Iowa governor. Excuse me. (laughs) What did you say? As soon as he got to Mexico, he had worked on setting up a radio station But while he was getting it up and running, he decided the governor thing would be a great addition to his resume. Are you kidding (laughs) me? You have essentially a warrant out for your arrest. Yeah. And you're going to make yourself (laughs) try to be a, you know, a recognizable position. Mm -hmm. He sent campaign trucks with colorful banners and loudspeakers to blare carnival music and speeches throughout Iowa. Carnival music also. I I mean, <laughs> it's fitting, don't get me wrong, for politicians, but probably don't <laughs> want to he, choose that. He wanted to remind them that he made the Calio phone. Okay, Go but that's that. not important to being a <laughs> governor. Good no. for you, mate. <laughs> well... All this, and he didn't even make the ballot. He did, however, amass 5,000 write-in votes. Who are these people? (laughs) Who? I don't know. Like Fake people? Because that's the only people I would assume would vote for him. Could be fake people. Or the only 5,000 people in Iowa that didn't know someone that died from cancer. Yeah. Yeah. While in Mexico, he ran a massive radio in a small hospital, but it just never felt like home for him. In 1936, Norman tried to run for Senate, but failed pretty bad. (laughs) What is wrong with him? You couldn't even make governor. (sighs) Yeah. yeah. You can fail in the Senate? He failed hard on that one. So, in 1937, Baker returned to Muscatine. He was charged with breaking the Brinkley Clause of the Federal Communications Act of 1934. It was for shipping gramophone recordings out of the nation for broadcast purposes. The conviction was... Yeah, it is. (laughs) The conviction was overturned on appeal... However, he still had the lawsuit from the state for practicing medicine without a license. So he struck a deal and he paid a $1,050 fine and served one day in jail and then went free. Are you motherfucking kidding me? He (laughs) killed people. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) I'm disgusted. (laughs) seeing how the state of iowa did not want him anywhere near it any longer he moved to arkansas we've heard some of this already but he heard of this town called eureka springs named for its healing spring water 
So imagine this, a man wearing white suits in the summer and black in the winter, always with a lavender shirt, shows up driving a Franklin Roadster that has also been painted a shade of purple with bulletproof glass and a fancy gold and diamond encrusted horseshoe tie-in shows up in your town that is majorly suffering from the Great Depression and promises to save the town. What would you do? I'd be like, what's your fascination with purple? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's understandable. But I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. Bow down and let him have his way with your town. (laughs) That's what they did. (laughs) They welcomed him with open arms. The mayor threw him a lavish dinner And there was only one person that questioned this. It was a state representative. And he had apparently been the only one to read the news, I guess. Well, hopefully, because that is, I feel, partly part of his job. Yeah. (laughs) He thought it was a bad idea to welcome him to the town. And he even tried to start an investigation into Norman. But he was outvoted. Oh, my gosh. The only person with common sense. Yeah, but this guy's going to put their town on the map again. Yeah, after killing all of you. Yeah, but Eureka Springs really, 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 even now, relies on tourism. And so if he could get people cycling in and out of the town, using up their spring waters again, he's worth it. Even if he kills half of them. (laughs) So Norman bought the Crescent Hotel for $40,000. Or 840000 today. Just so you get an idea of how bad the town was doing and how run down the hotel was at that point, the hotel was built for 294000 And he bought it for forty. Damn. Yeah. That's like less than a fifth of its original yeah. price. Oof. Not good. Yeah. He basically stole the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> He spent thousands updating it. He painted it mostly purple, but had a carnival-like atmosphere with red, yellow, orange, and black in the lobby. He had Mm. one of his calliophones placed on the roof as well. (laughs) He really loves the carnivals. Really loves it. (laughs) Yeah, something. Jeez. The Crescent was renamed the Baker Hospital. He immediately launched a large ad campaign promising the crystal healing waters of the springs and that it's where sick folks get well. Mm. As as we know, that was a bold-faced lie. He was back to injecting people with his special serum, usually around seven times a day, six days a week. Obviously, you can't inject people on the Sabbath. The so-called doctors referred to themselves as machine guns because of the amount of shots they were administering each day. That is so disgusting. It is. As I mentioned in the Crescent Hotel episode, he had a morgue added and there was a special wing that he had labeled the psychiatric wing and had locked up all the patients that were in severe pain from the cure 
44 patients died in the hospital and so many more went home to die or died on the way home. This is where it gets really messed up. Since these people already had been diagnosed with a fatal disease, their deaths weren't investigated. There was no autopsies, no murder investigation. He got off scot-free for being a serial killer to the terminally ill. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Please tell me he died some horrible, horrible death. In 1940, the feds got him on mail fraud. Oh, my God. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever it takes. Just put him behind bars for the rest of his life. They had determined that since his cure was all bullshit, that the newsletter he was sending out to potential patients was considered mail fraud. They estimated the newsletter alone defrauded about $4 million from patients. He was convicted and sentenced to four years in federal penitentiary and had a $4,000 fine. He was in, how do you say that? Is it Leavenworth or Leavenworth? Leavenworth. Leavenworth. You know, every time I hear it, it clicks. But then when I'm looking at it, I don't know. (laughs) So he was there from 1941 to 1944. When he had gotten out of prison, it was also discovered that he was siphoning funds from his businesses and end up embezzling about one million, but no charges were ever made on that. In 19 He has to be like the luckiest person. <laughs> yeah. In 1946, he tried to reopen the Baker Institute. And the state of Iowa basically just laughed at him. Good. From there, he went to live with a friend on a three-story yacht off the coast of Florida until he was diagnosed with not psoriasis. What's the other one? Scoliosis? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, only, the only one I could think of that's similar. I was hoping you were going to say cancer. <laughs> no. Although a lot of different articles, like back and forth, they're like, he died of cancer, haha. But then others were like, whatever the hell this is that I can't say. Cirrhosis. Cirrhosis. Oh, uh, of the liver? Thanks, or Yes, cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. He died at a sanitarium September 8th, 1958, at the age of 75. In total, it is said that he defrauded over 10 million from his followers. That is about 213 million today. Good God. The fact that he was pretty much stealing from starving, dying, miserable people at the height of the Great Depression just makes him the scum of the earth. And then killing them. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing I did want to mention was in 1936. Norman paid Alvin Winston to write a book about him. No, don't do it. Titled Doctors, Dynamiters, and Gunmen. The Life Story of Norman Baker. It is written in Norman's perspective about what had happened to him in Muscatine. So I took this from the Crescent Hotel article 
about Norman Baker because I couldn't find a PDF of the book, but I wanted you to get an idea of how he saw himself. This is from the introduction. (laughs) This is an inspiration book for young and old, a fact story of how a man fought his enemies, how he faced gunmen, dynamiters, and enemy doctors, how he fought the medical racket, the radio trust, the aluminum trust, and others. He did it for you. There has never been a book prepared so carefully. This makes it the most important book ever written. Read the life story of Norman Baker, the greatest one-man battle ever fought. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow, is he full of himself? Yeah, I really want to read. The greatest book ever written, please. really need to read this book. I need it. I couldn't. I would literally be disgusted two seconds and I'd be like, "Mm -mm. mm-mm, murder. But it'd be so interesting to hear how he thinks he's the shit. Narcissism at its prime. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying he thought he was doing good and was a savior to mankind. There are, there were a few instances where he had told people how he wanted to con people out of their money or wring them dry. But it is very interesting the lengths he would go to to try to get people to see him in this other light. Narcissism, that's why. Yep. So that is Norman Baker, con man, murderer, convicted felon, also inventor, showman, and radio host. He is a man of many hats for sure. (laughs) Out of all the articles I read about him, though, there was only one that I found that shared my views of him being a serial killer. And I think that really sucks. Just because people were already slated to die, he gets off with no charges of murder. What do you think about Norman? Uh, He's a serial killer (laughs) and a fucktard. (laughs) And I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I I do not think he is a decent person and I wish he would have died some horrible way in jail. I wish he would have gotten cancer and then injected himself with watermelon seeds and carbolic acid. <laughs> he did at one point helps. on one of his open air uh demonstrations, he drank a bottle of his supposed cure to show that, that it was that isn't it wasn't do the anything. same thing <laughs> that does not do the same thing yeah but like you said it probably could have still killed him but nobody and i doubt he doctors. actually drank it yeah probably not he probably had like just watermelon juice or something yeah <laughs> it just looked like it and he was yeah. like see see yeah i'm totally fine i don't know you don't have any other thoughts other than him being a serial killer i wish that he would have died miserably (laughs) that's my thought isn't his life like insane though it is and you know if he would have just stuck to making phones like (laughs) it would have been instruments not phones (laughs) caliup machine whatever it's called (laughs) if he would have stuck to that that would have been great. Mm. I could have lived with that. 
Another thing that I didn't notice in any of the articles that I was reading about him was nobody realized or mentioned at least that every time he changed his like career direction or, you know, wanted to do something else was because he saw another person being successful at it. Yeah. Seriously. Every He's single stealing time. people's glory. Yeah. The only original idea he had was the Caliophone. And, you know, that might not have been original. It might not have been. But you know what? It was successful. Yep. And it didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. It, and it made him lots of money. It did. Yeah. So what was the problem? <clears throat> People weren't that? hearing every little thought of his. If Twitter was around in his day, like he would end up getting banned like Trump did. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> he sounds just like him. <laughs> Inject bleach into <clears throat> yourself. Here's <laughs> COVID, don't you know? Yeah. So, what do you guys think of Norman Baker? I know he was definitely not a cryptid, urban legend, or anything paranormal, but he was definitely weird shit. Do you guys like the deviance from the norm? Do you wish you never found out who Norman Baker was? I do. Also, don't forget to send us your own personal stories. Did you find a room in your house that was boarded up with weird smells coming from it? Do you have a lapse in time and a chunk of skin missing? Let us know yeah. all the weird stuff that happens to you. You could do that by emailing it to us at thisislegendpod at gmail.com or you can also submit them on our website where you can also listen to our episodes and see pictures and our sources at thisislegendpod.com and then we have our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at this is legend pod keep it spooky classy and sassy but most of all keep it legendary don't be norman bates goodbye (laughs) i mean not bates don't be him either norman baker (laughs) don't be any normans